Hey, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. And welcome to the Gag Reel Podcast, the podcast where we break down comedy movies that need no breaking down. <laughs> and yet we do it anyways. I'll be hosting today. This is uh, your your old pal, Will. And I'm here with, as always, Ryan. How you doing, Ryan? I'm good, yeah. As always, up till now. I think uh, one day, I think I, I want to just find someone off the street and throw them into the spot just to confuse you and everyone. That'd be great. Someone named Brian, preferably. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I don't know. I just, just told to record. Are you sure you, you br- br- wait, you're saying Brian, who are you? That'd be fun. So today we're talking about back to school, um, starring good old Rodney Dangerfield. He never gets any respect until today when he got a whole movie. That's true. He got his whole starring role movie. First one after actually, this is like his. Second starring role, I believe, after Easy Money. Okay. Uh, this one, uh, after 1983's Easy Money, which was which was a follow-up to Caddyshack, where he did not star in, but had a very big breakout role in. Yeah, yeah, very iconic Dangerfield role. I, I feel like Caddyshack and then this are the memorable Dangerfield feature films. Oh, yeah. Came out in 1986, and... I will talk about it later, but that was a crazy movie for movies. And this one was one of the biggest. And this one out of so many other big movies was actually the sixth highest grossing film of the year. And that, that means it made more money than Ferris Bueller's day off. It made more money than star Trek four, the voyage home, arguably one of the best of the star Trek films. It made more money than aliens. Take that, James Cameron, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, I know he was really disappointed that he didn't win the uh, win the Oscars for Aliens. Um, and uh, he didn't even win the highest grossing over Back to School. Him and his, he's always been getting the highest grossing, but not this time. High, back to School made more money, you fool. But yeah, it was a big year. We got, we had Ferris Bueller, Aliens, Star Trek IV, The Fly, Three hey. Amigos. Back to the Future, Labyrinth, Big Trouble in Little China, Brazil, Maximum Overdrive, Clue, Blue Velvet, One Crazy Summer. The list goes on. It was a crazy year for films. Yeah, a lot of great comedies. Yeah, a lot of 80s, 80s movies. It's just like you look at, back at that list and it's just like, think of an 80s movie and it's probably on that list. But uh, yeah, what, what do you say after, after talking about this big year? Let's uh, zoom in onto the, the line graph of all the movies that came out into this one. Back to School, starring Rodney Dangerfield and Sally Kellerman and a bunch of other people that I'm not reading Guess off right who's now. who's getting some class? I'm going to college. Rodney Dangerfield's going back to school. And that's what I call marine biology. Hey, boys, here's a couple of pens in case you learn how to write. Okay. When I used to dream about going to college, this is the way I always pictured it. Wait a minute, when did you dream about going to college? When I used to fall asleep in high school. Here's a book on sex education. Let me see that. The world's oldest living freshman. Well, he left out the most important thing. Where to get it? Say it! Say it! 
good teacher. I think we should clarify that our usual format of doing no spoilers in one episode and spoilers in the following episode the week later uh, isn't really going to apply because this might be a little more rambly of a conversation and we'll go in and out. If you haven't seen Back to School, then feel free to uh, stop this and check it out and then come back and listen to our thoughts or just listen and then see what we have to say spoil a few of the jokes and then just go and check it out yourself. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. Make up your own mind. But yeah, we're going to we're going to be uh going into some spoiler territory. Let's do it. But yeah, let's break it down. So Ryan, what were your thoughts on going back to school in movie form? Going back to back to school. I hadn't seen this since it was like they aired it on IFC like 7 8 years ago or something. And I was just up late at night and watched it through for the first time. Had a fun time. Does that channel still exist? I think so. Yeah, I don't have live TV anymore. Yeah, neither do I. But I used to watch a lot of fun offbeat comedy and uh, movies through that. Yeah, they always had some good ones playing. I never. I, this was the first time I've seen this movie. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. This was a, a interesting to rewatch now that I've now that I've listened to more of Dangerfield's bits. Now that I've seen Caddyshack more times, and going back to our, our when we did our Adam Sandler rewatch of, through through all of his stuff in the '90s, and seeing Dangerfield and Little Nicky, and him being, in my opinion, one of the funny parts of that movie. That was the movie that broke us. If anybody's wondering why they why there still hasn't been a part two. Thank you, little Nikki, for all you've done for us. <laughs> that movie broke us. But this this was a really fun watch for me. It, it was a uh, it, it's an interesting movie because it's kind of in half an excuse to get a lot of his one liners into a feature film, because before that he hadn't like his starring role before this. I don't think really worked because uh, he's not really much of an actor. Uh, so it, it was it was fun to see him like uh, and it. I listened to an interview with with the director Alan Meter, Matter, I don't know which one, but he, he he's got two T's. I'm gonna go with Matter. But he he mentioned that that was kind of the challenge of how to get emotion out of uh, out of Rodney Dangerfield, and so they kind of limited it and just gave him a handful of moments where he could like kind of shine just through expression. And I've actually got a quote by the director. Let's throw it in. That he probably would say it better than me. Adrian Barbeau, the actress who played uh, his ex-wife mm-hmm. in the film um thought that alan metter should have been given an academy award for getting rodney to stand <laughs> still and apparently he would start a riff and alan would have to step in and say rodney that is so funny but i don't think it works here and more specifically to quote alan like one direct rodney maybe more than any other actor <laughs> i ever worked with the movie required that we deal out the act and the actor in carefully considered situations that and i quote worked very closely with him on this. Of course, he had the act down. Can I pop my eyes on this line? But uh, actually, his acting instincts were very good. He just needed encouragement. His line readings could be a bit erratic, however. And so sometimes they would have to go line by line in the close-ups, which took the cut out of the editor's hands because the only usable performance of a line of dialogue happened in a specific shot. So they would just... They would just put the camera in his face and just have him go line by line, either reading it to him or just having him go back over that one line over and over again. That makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, but I, I think by uh, all, all the work pays off and 
even though, you know, he's not an Academy Award winning performer here. I think he, he gave a good amount of heart to his recital of uh, of uh, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night uh, towards the end. <laughs> While he had gout. It's kind of a little Shakespeare moment, uh, at least, you know, by his standards. That's how Harold Ramis put it. It was like to, to uh, Dangerfield that was like reciting Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. That whole oral exam scene. He was he was suffering through gout. Wow. So I guess maybe he covered it up by looking really tired. I could see that, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that fit. Yeah, maybe they wrote that in that like he had been studying all night, kind of thing. That idea. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I think it worked. I think like there are little moments like that where you you do see some genuine emotion from him, or like his reaction to the teacher that he falls for when she's reciting poetry. Uh, Diane, that character, and uh, I think they they were yeah. really strategic with the the little moments they gave him like that of him being emotional uh apparently dangerfield was skeptical of this character in general of like how is how are we going to make this guy likable he's rich and somehow his kid loves him and uh he's he's a sweet guy like how, how do these all connect they they just wrote it really strategically and harold ramus and uh, the director and other writers just were really careful about uh you know uh, making it as rodney as possible but with him actually I don't know. Somehow, because he has all these insulty one-liners, but he's still an endearing character. Yeah. And uh, I know I'm definitely kind of going on here. I guess in conclusion, <laughs> I, I thought this was, a, this was a fun viewing. And uh, okay. I, I don't know if I would outright recommend this to any just film goer nowadays. I think like if I knew someone who really loves comedy and who's really fascinated with stand-up and stand-up history... I'd say, like, this is probably the feature film example of Rodney Dangerfield. Like, Caddyshack's great, but I think this shows some of the the heart that was kind of hidden in his acts, too. Yeah. And what made him so endearing as a stand-up outside of those one-liners. Yeah, for a, for a, a guy whose who's, uh, <laughs> catchphrase is, I don't get any respect, you know, like this character who gets a ton of respect is ironically probably the most Rodney Dangerfield of all of the characters that he ever played. I mean, that's a story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. Are you kidding? No respect at all. Well, when I was born, the doctor told my mother I did all I could, but he pulled through anyway, you know? I mean, I don't get no respect from anyone. Well, last week, my house was on fire. My wife told the kids, be quiet, you wake up daddy. Stay over to Hollywood. That's my end of my spot there. Okay, I'll see you now. But um, anyways, we're, we're, we're talking about, you were talking about how the the rich people around him don't really respect him. And, and so, like, here's something. I, I, so I've never been a millionaire, and I've never been to a fancy cocktail party. But the obsession that the rest of the party has with Thornton making a sandwich out of the hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> I did uh, not understand at all. Like they I all just like, swarmed him and just stared at him. They were all anything. laughing. Yeah. Like, what is he doing? And he and was I, just making a he sandwich. Did that, the interesting technique that I, I noted was he scooped out a little bit of the bread on one yeah. of the halves. That's a good technique, guess, though. To make a little room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's exactly. a New York Why? style sandwich right there. He said he learned it in Europe, you know. 
He did. He learned the hors d'oeuvres <laughs> in the sandwich in Europe, but the digging out of the bread—that's what yeah, they do yeah. in New York. That's how you. That's how you get more. You know, like you get it you flatter. Get you get more meat in the sandwich. Yeah, it, it was comical. It was, uh, you know, supposed to be a little culture class show. That yeah, he's not quote unquote classy. This isn't his his world kind of thing. And I'm guessing that was like a calculated move of how do we make this guy that's rich beyond like imagination that can buy anything how do we make him relatable and it's like okay he never lost touch with he never lost touch with his humble origins yeah i guess that was my reading yeah yeah i I get that uh and i i I somewhat i mean yeah i guess i agree he's always yeah the wackier of the millionaires i guess moving on to yeah i need to hear uh your thoughts on this because this is your first time seeing it this was an interesting movie i thought as a movie as an actual film with the beginning, middle, end character arcs, story structure, it was a complete failure. Really? As a comedy. Yeah, I just, I didn't get it. Like, it's just like no character had like a true arc. And the one that probably had the yeah. closest thing to an arc was his son. And his son was just like given the most cliche, tropey arc out of the whole movie. I think when it comes to like, you know, the traditional movie structure, it tried to like really, um, Really hang it. It's a hang a lot of weight on the two like love triangles that were kind of overlapping, which was also had its own confusing situations. (laughs) But I feel like it came kind of in the the uh, tradition of the college kind of movie. And that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was. The evil dean that they have to stick it to. But anyway, he was like the big big honcho that you needed to get over on. Who was yeah, if, the, in the mo- okay, world, so he's the moving on to like the more comedic aspects. I actually found really amusing to the point where I almost wondered if some of these were even intentional, like, <laughs> but I know they were, but it's just like some of these were just so outlandish, like to have that business Dean professor guy, like driving around in that car uh-huh. and just being like the most cartoonish British person. What, 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 what is his deal? Mm-hmm. And like, and, I was amused by some of the things that weren't like straight flat out jokes in terms of like, I guess some of the plot aspects I found humorous. And then I think just like animal house, it was super playful in like the world of the movie. And like, it's not a real depiction of reality. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a cartoon setting so that Dangerfield can deliver one liners and you can have a fun time. Yeah. Overall, I guess the jokes itself, you know, it was really just for the most part, there were a few odd, you know, there was some cartoony aspects and there was the uh, really strange decision of having most of the plot hang on diving, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is such an obscure sport to lean a plot on. True. And uh, I I don't think it had been done before. Exactly. But I I don't think it ever has been done again because it's just like, of all the sports, like, why does the school care so much about their diving team? Good question. But I thought it was wacky. And yeah, but um, yeah, overall, most of the comedy was really just Rodney walking around telling one liners. And it was mm-hmm. fun. I, I heard a story in, in one of the featurettes on the DVD that uh, D- Dangerfield came into this was during pre-production, came into the writer's office and sat down with uh, with Alan and Harold Ramis and had uh, about 50 one-liners that he had used on The Tonight Show, that he'd used in stand-up, and, like, that really worked. And him and Harold Ramis and Alan Metter just sat there and shoved them into different scenes, like, yeah. and just kind of juiced up the movie with uh, with his humor. And I, I think 
that's why the movie is more memorable than uh, a lot of other stuff, just because it, it's so back to the brim with uh, Dangerfield-isms in pretty much every scene. He's just walking around and almost every line that uh, he's saying, uh, oh, yeah. he, whether it's advancing the plot or not, or, or you know, a, a one-liner. And I guess they evolve as the movie goes on. But at the start, you had, I, I wrote some of these down. It's, she, gives, she gives great headache. You've got six closets full of nothing to wear. A lot of people go to Switzerland to get their watch fixed. Yeah. You have no taste. You're right. I married you, didn't I? Just like the <laughs> amount of while my wife sucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, thrown out is kind of baffling. There was so much of a, a shtick of his um, yeah. was the like, you know, my wife is so easy, you know, uh, someone take my wife kind of things. And they, they made the whole first, you know, uh, expositional scene, you know, like the inciting incident of their divorce yeah. is all an excuse for as many of those jokes as possible. Yeah. And I, I love this, uh, the sequence where he's uh, looking at the painting. I love Klimt, don't you? Mr. Mellon, your wife was just showing us her Klimt. You too, huh? She's shown it to everybody. Well, she's very proud of it. Uh, I'm proud of mine, too. I don't go waving around at parties, though. It's an exceptional painting. Oh, the painting. Oh, yeah. Okay, drink up. Enjoy yourself. There's, like, joke after joke. There's, like, three of them all mm -hmm. regarding, like, you know. Oh, the painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I thought those were great. I, I kind of love those bits of his. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm excited to talk in the How Has It Aged when we get there. Yeah. Because, oh, like, yeah. it, it does get weird with some of these kind of insult comedy bits. Like, the whole first um, scene of, you know, the present day in the movie, it's his fat, big and tall commercial mm -hmm. and just kind of fat joke after fat joke. And then um, the meeting they have, uh, the big and tall team and uh, all the fat jokes in that yeah. are uh, a little even more egregious because that's kind of all they are. There's not the one-two punch of the one-liners mm -hmm. like they are in the commercial. Yeah, I feel really mean laughing at some of those, but that that one of my biggest laughs in the movie was his. Uh, do you look at a menu and say okay at the end of his little <laughs> shtick of uh, of one liners there? And I think it's just you know the like fourth grader in me saying like yo mama jokes. It like, is very yo mama joke esque. And I, I wonder so, if some of that came from from him or how long you know. I'm sure there's a good long history of insult comedy and stuff. Well, it's interesting. Um... In uh, in this one article I was reading, some of the things people were attributing, like somebody pointed out, you know, there's a scene in the movie where two dogs are, uh, you know, hooking up and he says, get a room. And comedian Harry Basil, who co-wrote some uh, movies uh, later with him and was an opener in Vegas for years for, uh, with him. He, he, he claimed, you know, he says, you know, get a room sounds like Groucho Marx or even W.C. Field. Mm -hmm. But he suggests it might have actually been Rodney's. Nice. And he said that, quote, that's the thing about Rodney. He's been writing jokes for a long time, so you never knew. And he's like a machine gun with these, yeah. too. He apparently, um, he tried stand-up comedy in his early years, like in his 20s, but mm -hmm. gave it up when he was 28 and uh, settled down, got like a job as a salesman and for 12 more years. And throughout his 30s, would work as a you know a menial job, and then every once like every once in a while, as his life got crappier and crappier, would just write little jokes on a little mm -hmm. piece of paper and throw it into a duffel bag. And yeah. by the time he was forty, he uh, had a loan shark a after him and had to um, start making more money and went back to stand up. Yeah, and just basically pulled jokes out of that duffel bag, just stuff he had been 
collecting <laughs> for years and years, uh, honing the art of the one-liner. I love the the loan shark aspect here because there's like the you know the this see like seediness the sleaziness that he brings all these characters it's funny to know that some of that you know might have been a little bit of real life creeping oh, yeah. in kind of thing i'll tell you what then why don't you call me sometime when you have no class <laughs> all right maybe i will but uh i guess i'm gonna go through i've got this list of just notes i took throughout the movie yeah just like random thoughts because, like, I'm just trying to organize this in my head and I'm having. Yeah, do you want to kind of go in order here? This is all, like, I uh, guess, in order of as I was watching the movie. Because there was something in that opening flashback that I, I thought was, was cute and funny. There's not really much jokes there, but no. I do like that the kid had a little tie and he did the iconic kind of like, geez, like, kind of get some yeah. air, kind of pulling at the tie while he's uh, talking to his dad. Yeah, he doesn't do it great, but it's just like, uh, point out like hey this is little rodney it's little rodney yeah yeah who would have thought <laughs> yeah yeah the black and white sequence yeah there wasn't a whole lot of jokes there yeah you're there, right it's there just... was some great you know whatever the 1986 equivalent of photoshop would be some great bug-eyed rodney dangerfield photoshops mm -hmm. in that uh in the cre opening credit sequence oh yeah it's like that a, made, made me kind of like a pre-forest yeah. gump yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I talked about some of the notes I, I took about the, the opening sequence with his wife and, mm -hmm. and, the, um, the, the, the cocktail party. I did think at this point when he was diving into the swimming pool after the party, I thought that was just a one-off joke of him doing a really elaborate dive into the yeah. pool. And I thought it was kind of weird when it kept, when they kept bringing it up over and over again throughout the movie. So I was just, I think there was a one one of those stills in the opening credits was him diving okay so i, I missed think that. Th i think they were trying to set it up early but okay. yeah it does like it, it's very like you said elaborate uh in, it's more elaborate than anything else we've seen at this point and it just seems to be like taking up screen time out of the blue so you know it, from a like kind of modern absurdist comedy lens like i definitely see like oh this is supposed to be a joke right and then like no it's a plot point yeah it's a major major plot point and then i wonder if even though it was likely a trope throughout the 80s but i mean this is a, a real tangent but thornton's relationship with his limo driver really reminded me of how Charlie in It's Always Sunny tried to get Frank to be the limo driver in that episode <laughs> and have Frank pose as Charlie, the millionaire, quote unquote, best friend yeah, slash limo driver. That's true. The character, yeah, the Lou's character is just a weird one in this movie. I he is. I kind of liked him though. I liked uh, him, you know, defending uh, the kid and the uh, and just getting into an all-out bar brawl in the bar scene. Yeah. I thought he was amusing. I couldn't figure out if he's supposed to be some tough guy with the heart of gold or a scary freak with the heart of gold. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe know? a little bit of both. Like kind of a wild card character that uh, Rodney keeps around. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those other little devices they're using to ground him and make him seem. Less, you know, like snobby millionaire and more down to earth millionaire. Yeah. And weird weirdo millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. But like um and overall the Danny Elfman score, Oingo uh, Boingo, the Hooray yeah. Capitalism overtones, the Robert Picardo with hair tiny roll slash cameo, the uh -huh. really toned down horn dog side plots, 
the bizarre off-the-cuff connections to Ferris Bueller with both the twist and shout sequence and whatchamacallit, the receptionist from Ferris Bueller playing his stenographer. True. This is probably the most mid to late 80s movie I've ever seen. Yeah, that's fair. It's like the most I don't know 80s. If I can argue that. And look and like just looking at uh at Downey Downey Jr.'s hair, oh, like that too. I feel like there's one of those characters in like every John Hughes movie almost. And uh yeah. He like somehow bottles up all of them yeah. into this into this one character, which apparently he was really improvisational in, in that. And a lot of those quirks were just coming from him on set, like just making strange decisions. So yeah. uh Props to him. I, in, a, in a little featurette I watched, uh, they talked a little bit. And they just kind of in passing about how different their comedic styles were and how Downey was improving and just kind of being all over the place rather than Dangerfield was coming to set every day with new stuff that he had written and was very like kind of, uh, you know, just rehearsed. Like yeah. he, he was much more of a writer almost. Yeah, he's, he's writing. He's performing the stand up that he practiced the night before. And to, speaking of horn dog bits, there was another man. This Rodney Dangerfield, I feel like, it hits me with this comedy away where I, I'm like, I know I shouldn't really be laughing at this in this day and age, but uh, it, it just uh, the, the bug eyedness, his just his delivery always works <laughs> on me. He goes into the sorority house instead of the fraternity, yeah. looking for his son. Goes into the locker room, sees the naked women. Hey, I need some help here. Hey, buddy, I'm talking to you. I need some help. Here. Oh, oh, take it easy, honey. I didn't see a thing. You're perfect. All right, so we did record this little bit after the fact. Forgot for a second. Apologies. Um, but it's the end of part one, and you've got a whole week before the next episode. What are you going to do? What kind of movies should you watch while you're still thinking about back to school? Well, that's why we've got some recommendations in a segment we call what is it? That's my favorite movie? That's my favorite movie. That's what I've been calling so it. Then that's what the segment is called. Ryan, what kind of recommendations you got? What, what, if you liked Back to School, what would you say to check out? The other big... This is probably me cheating because I've mentioned this movie several times throughout talking about Back to School. But I have to say, like, if you like Dangerfield and this, then go watch Caddyshack if you haven't seen it. Because I feel like that's the other prime hilarious example of uh, Dangerfield just being himself and just having a great excuse to deliver one lines as a really ridiculous, eccentric, rich character. Yeah. That's... Very similar to this, but much more of an asshole. So I tell you, now, when Mona died last winter, I said to myself, Al, if you keep busting your hump 16, 20 hours a day, you'll end up with a $60 million funeral, you know? <laughs> hey, doll, can you scare another round for our table over here and tell the cook this is low-grade dog food, all right? And here, take this for yourself, okay? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, very very similar. Um, if, you, if you like the rich people comedy thing, I'd say, yeah, check out trading places or brewster's millions or just one of those if you like the going back to school type thing uneducated person goes back to school very different movie billy madison highly recommend yeah very similar plot very similar except it's elementary school going back back to school yep uh goofy goofy movie and uh i guess that uh that ends this segment yeah, I think that's all the recommendations I got. I mean, like there are plenty of other '80s movies that have the same kind of feel. Just, uh, just put on any movie between 1983 and 1987, and you'll probably end up with something <laughs> uh, 
something quite like this. Any, any of these comedies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we are, uh, ending the episode here for part one. Feel free to check out part two next week. In the meantime, email us at gagreelpod at gmail.com. Check out our website, gagreelpod.com. We got a Facebook at gagreelpod. Hey, hey, we got a Twitter at gagreelpod. Um, and uh, we're still working on that hotline, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one day. 1-800-GAGREEL. It, it's a whole process. Apparently, we got to whittle the numbers down. Yeah, we got too many uh, numbers. One by one. Yeah, they told us this is the best option for the budget. Well, like but... I called them and I said, hey, so I want a hotline. That'll be 1 800. Uh-huh. This is the Gag Real Pod hotline. Please call us. Now. Yeah. And they said, that's just too many letters. Are you crazy? Yeah, we're, we're working on it. It's a, it's a work in progress. But please uh, email us or reach out to us on any of those social medias. Yeah. But. Until next time, have have a good one. Yeah, keep it real. Gag real. It's over now.